0: When Jimmy texts me he texts me Big Ted and I text him, I text him Big Ted, so I don't know who's Big Ted, but here Big Ted's. I don't know who Ted is.
1: Two minutes. Well no, there's a blessing in this because the last twenty pages blew away this morning, so Now I don't know whether to preach this morning, right? Because I feel like it's an Indian wedding. Maybe we should just break into a big Bollywood dance routine. <laughs> I will not. Now, I'm tired and exhausted after yesterday, so I've titled this sermon The Great Big Given Out. (laughs) This sermon is longer than the other, and I still think it smells of chicken. (laughs) I have, um, and nobody's to laugh at this, I have a watch for health purposes that counts your steps. And it was incredible. On Friday, 17,000 steps on Saturday, 17,000 steps. That's the equivalent of walking 25 kilometres. Now, the watch said, well done, from a health perspective. But then it looked at it and said, but hang on, that was 25 kilometres carried out in the space of a room half this size. And it flagged mental health issues, because it thinks (laughs) I'm just walking around in circles. (laughs) So this morning, if we look at all the primary schools around the country, what are they doing right now? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is going to torn, torn into the great big giving out. <laughs> They're having their nativity plays. Like, for the schools that still do it. Now, our family was blessed because um, Bay Estate National School, okay, Sam had the headline role of the, um, the innkeeper. Very good. Our son Samuel, our very good Jewish boy, but think about the in the nativities, who's the important characters? Come on, call it out. Who's the important characters? Mary? No. Mary. Three w- no. The animals? Innkeeper. Right. Who rarely features on a sort of a, a bit part that's over in the corner? Herod, no. Joseph. Joseph never gets a prominent role. And what I want to look at this morning is the role of Joseph, okay? So, we're going to look at Matthew 1. Stop sniggering. <laughs> no smiling up at me now, I know what you're at. Now, for the guys who are on the great big giveaway yesterday, I know you're not sitting there praying for me. I know you're asleep. <laughs> all right. Because I'd be doing it too. Come holy sleep in abundance. That's all I ask for. So, if we look at Matthew one to 18-25, it says this. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear you a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold the virgin, conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. But he knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now here's the thing, amazing that we're celebrating an engagement this morning, isn't it? This is what an engagement is. Mary is engaged to Joseph. Now, the word engaged doesn't really capture what it really, really means. And there's a Greek word, and I'm glad Lef isn't here this morning, so we can butcher this, and and he'll never know about it. There's a Greek word, and the Greek word is menestio. Okay? If we look at all the different translations, especially in the English Bibles, there's so many different versions because it's like we're all trying to get the right meaning of the word. The RSV uses betrothed, the King James uses espoused, the NIV uses pledged. See, the issue with the word engaged is that an engagement can be broken off formally, just. Sorry, informally. But if we look at the custom of the time for marriage, this wasn't the case. See, marriage was a two-stage process. First was the betrothal, the Hebrew word kiddushin. It's a marriage contract, and it was typically arranged by the parents. And the engagement could only be broken by divorce. It had legal standing. It was something significant. It wasn't just a coupling or a getting together. The second step, the Hebrew word, is nisu in. And that sometimes happened over a year later. And it often included the marriage feasts. And it was after this that the groom took his wife to his home. There's a verb, paralambano, and it means to take. And we see in verse 120 and 124, it can actually mean to take, to take home, to take possession of. And it refers to the second step in marriage. So what unfolds in our scripture is an event that happens between the first stage and the second stage. We know the fourth stage has taken place, but the second stage is now not looking very promising. So if we look at Joseph, the Gospel of Luke looks at the nativity from the perspective that we all typically know. The familiar scene, the stable, the animals, the three wise men. All the elements that make up the nativity that we see in the schools. But Matthew's Gospel looks at the birth of Jesus by turning the focus towards Joseph. As a Jewish author, highlighting the man's role was very important to them. Now, this in no way denigrates the role of Mary. It doesn't ignore it. Equally important to the Jewish authors is the ability to establish a lineage. And we see two things getting established here in our scripture. The first thing we see, that the lineage of Joseph goes back through David to Abraham. And the second one thing we see is the earthly lineage of Jesus is established through his earthly father. That's incredible. So now we see that Joseph really isn't a background character. And we know that his role was ordained by God so that he would follow his plan. Like all of a sudden, he's not just this bit part player, he has an important role that has been ordained by his father. Joseph was a righteous man. He lived God's law. Now, Joseph's reaction when he finds out that Mary's pregnant. He suspects her of adultery. What what else can you do? And adultery is one of the grounds for divorce in Jewish law. Now, Joseph was a righteous man, not a self-righteous man. Self-righteousness is a quality that would cause him to seek harsh justice. And under the Torah, Mary should have been stoned to death. That was the law. Now, at the time, the Romans were in charge, and they weren't overly warm to the idea of the Jews going around stoning each other, imposing death penalties on each other. We see that in John 18. Nevertheless... The penalties for an illicit pregnancy are serious. The man is expected to divorce the woman and the man would also reclaim the bride price, the price that was paid to arrange that marriage, for that marriage to succeed. He could take it back and it would have been a substantial sum. But here's what he decides, he's going to divorce her quietly. So is not to cause her any pain or any suffering. You see, he's unwilling to expose her public disgrace. He doesn't want to do it. And it's an incredible picture. Because we see Joseph. And what he does is he shows A Christ like compassion in the face of sin. Now, this is an incredible image because it shows the perfect balance and the perfect godly balance between the law of the Torah and the law of love. We see love, we see grace, we see mercy. The proper relationship of the godly person to the law is a major theme of Matthew. See, in verse 20, when he was considering his actions, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And this is the first of many times that the angel of the Lord appears to him in dreams. And he says, Joseph, son of David. Again, establishing his lineage. You are of important stock You are of great heritage. Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. And here's the thing. At the time when all this was going on, King Herod sat on the throne and he had no lineage. He had no Davidic heritage. And now we see king being established and the line to David being restored in Jesus through Joseph. Not the role of a bit player. So when he woke up from the dream he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He obediently follows his father's will. He knows his father's voice. And he completes the second part of the marriage. It's incredible. The other role that Jesus or Joseph had, right, was to name Jesus. And there's an importance in the name of Jesus. See, following Jewish tradition, it is the father's role to name the Son. What are we seeing here? Who's naming the child? You see. God, the heavenly father, named his son Jesus. But he has given the honor of announcing that name to his earthly father, Joseph. It's an incredible insight for how God, the heavenly father, works with the earthly father. Fathers, that's a huge burden for us. That's a huge responsibility that we should be taking on. Our Heavenly Father wants to work with us so that we ensure our children stay with Him, know Him, understand Him, have a relationship with Him. And here's the thing, we don't do the heavy lifting. Our Father does it. We have to partner with our Father. That is a big responsibility for us that we should be aware of. And this isn't a one-size-fits-all, that a mother has a role, that a father has a role, that a father is a man, that a mother is a woman. You know what? God will weave himself into any situation to show his love and show his compassion that won't fit the one model. He will get to you anyway. He will be a father. He will be a mother in your lives, he will bring in father figures. He will bring in mother figures. It's not beyond them because of his grace and his compassion and his love for us. That Sorry, you didn't have a mother. You didn't have a father. I put you to one side. That is not the case. He loves us so much that he will be our everything. So, in verse 21, Joseph is instructed to name the child born to Mary. The tradition is for sons and daughters to be named after family members. Now, Jesus wasn't a family name. And just like John the Baptist, as it says in Luke, he wasn't named after a member of the family. The name Jesus is the Greek form of Hebrew, Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. And it's related to the name Joshua, Moses' successor. And see, Joseph would have clearly understood this. You see, the first Joshua saved the people from their enemies. The second Joshua, Jesus, will save people from their sins. Now, here's the thing. In the scripture, we see a man and we see a woman. We see two roles. Two very distinct roles, but one purpose. Mary was chosen by God to fulfill his plan because she favored him. We see this in Luke. She knew God. Joseph was chosen by God to fulfill his plan. He was just a man. Sorry, he was a just (laughs) man. City, was just a man. <laughs> I was just going to have a little nap. Call me in about 10 <laughs> He was a just man. Now, it's probably easier for us to understand the role of a mother. And Mary's role was very important. But let's not overlook some of the important roles that were given to Joseph. See, Joseph was the protector. How many times did the angel of the Lord appear to Joseph and say, wake up, move. Move them out of danger. And yet, if Joseph wasn't obedient to the Father, he would have left them in danger. So he had a role as a protector. He raised Jesus as his eldest son. He called him a trade. This meant, and we don't see it, how would Jesus have learned to have been a carpenter without spending a lot of time in the presence of his earthly father? And his earthly father taught him a skill, taught him the family business. But the other thing that Joseph did was he prepared Jesus to do his heavenly father's business. Amen? In our scripture, we see the two distinct roles and they're combined together for heaven's purpose. We see God use men and women together for his divine plan. You see, we can talk a lot about things, we can read a lot about scripture, but it's important to to see examples. And when we see examples heaven becomes living. Heaven becomes real. Heaven becomes something I can understand because I've seen it. It's easier to understand something you see. We still need faith so that we believe in the things that we can't see. But it's incredible when we get a chance to see God's plan and heaven working on earth. When we see it with our own eyes, it becomes visible. It becomes a reflection of Jesus. And it becomes a revelation of who our Heavenly Father is. And it also becomes a revelation of what we mean to him. Now, we should rejoice and celebrate when we see God use a man and a woman together for his divine plan. Sorry, the divine plan has come off the rails. (laughs) Sam, Uh, I want to show you a picture. Here's the thing Do we know? That we're the beneficiaries of man and woman working together separately in different roles with different experiences to bring about God's plan. Okay. <laughs> Who's in the picture? <laughs> sorry the, the brief for the picture was no skinny jeans and no man bag <laughs> guys come up
0: we're in the top <laughs>
1: guys as a church we have been incredibly blessed by Noel and Sharon we have been blown away by their ability to follow God's plan for them to care for us for them to love us for them to show us compassion we are honoured to have you like a mother, like a father. You are so important to us, and guys, we say thank <laughs> <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> guys, we say
1: thank you from your family at Liberty. You. And guys, just this morning we're doing exactly the same thing out in Bray as happening for Rob and Patrice. It has been an incredible week of giving and this was an opportunity for us as our family to give to Noel and Sharon. We are so blessed, guys. Amen.
0: Okay. That's
1: that sums it up. Guys, thanks. I have to say thanks. You know what? I love preaching here. I love sharing the word. And this was just the inspiration that God had put on my heart that we would honour and hold Sharon this morning, that we would honour Rob and Patrice. Church, we're blessed. Amen. Let's get
0: a cup of tea. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, there was a pair of glasses up on this here that Stephen has now. Sharon talked about mine, but mine is not as in good nick as there. <laughs> so whoever owns it. They're yours, Jim. Let's, let's pray. Thank you very much. Um, God is so good. Amen. Father, we love you. I was getting text messages last night from people just saying, Give my last hamper. You know, and uh, we still have hampers in the van to give out today. Lord, may it never stop. Oh Lord, may we live in a city when hampers are not needed. Lord, when we live in a city that has prospered so much under God that the laborers will be plenty in the name of Jesus and the harvest be few. Come on. Where the last shall be first, Lord. Father, we thank you for giving to us. You have fathered us well, Father. Lord. We are whole and healthier. Because of your father and of us. It's the only, anything that Jimmy has said of Sharon and I. The only, not that your mum and dad's didn't have a part to play in it. But the only reason we can give is because we've been given. And there we give it all back to God. Because <laughs> we know where it came from. And I, everything that's in me as a father, you know I take father serious. Father, my daughters was the best privilege I was ever given. And I pray that everything that God has given me and Sharon, that would be upon you tenfold, twentyfold, even a hundredfold. And that things that are far off would come near. And things that are meant to go away from you will go. And that God would use us as fathers and mothers to somebody in this city, even over this Christmas. The father, you would use us. I was, I was, I was looking at um, some field of Marks and Spencers last week. I didn't know whether to buy chickpea curry or beetroot burgers. <laughs> That's the truth. And I got talking to this lady, a girl, a young woman in her 40s, I'd say. Um, she was packing the shelves, working, And I says, how's it going? And she goes, ah, it's a tough, it's tough, in it? Life is tough, you know? and um, I said uh, try a chickpea curry you'll all cheer up now." I said you know what I, said, I have four daughters and sometimes life throws its worst at you but can I encourage you I think her name was Deborah if I remember right <clears throat> Deborah no matter what life is throwing at you you're still here so it hasn't won you it hasn't beaten you down so much that you're not working and honestly before I left it was only a minute or two I was saying it out of a heart of a father. I was much older than her. Well, probably 15 years. <laughs> but it was an opportunity from a father heart to say to somebody, keep going. And it doesn't matter whether you're 13, 14, or 38, or 48, or even 79, Jimmy Gough. <laughs> so you can be an expression of the father heart of God to someone. And I send you out this morning, after hearing this, that you're not insignificant, you're not in the sideline of God's plan and purposes, you're right in the centre. And sometimes, yet he has us play roles that nobody sees, but to the person that he wants us to reach out to, we become the centre of their life, of their drama, of their world. So I send you out in the name of the Father. To be on the lookout for somebody who might need an arm around the shoulder, might need a kind word, an encouraging word. Did I get to share Jesus with that woman in Marks and Spencers? No. I got to be something of the father to that woman in Marks and Spencers. Do you think she'll forget that? I don't. I have a bad memory. So would you just put your hands out for the last time. God is a given God He created us. You know, this is my New Year's stuff that the Lord has put in my heart. From the very moment, God was always given. God is a given God, yeah? And he created man and woman, and immediately we gave life. Immediately we were given. Because we were created in the image of God.